Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Hallelujah. We have eyes to see right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I believe this is our fourth part in talking about prosperity, a part of our redemption. And I just, it just seemed in my heart that we just needed to slow down on this subject. Because many of us have these pre-assumed beliefs about money, which simply aren't true. And so we've been taking our time looking at these things. And we talked about this last week, and it wasn't in my notes. It's something the Lord resourced uh, from years ago. I didn't get it completely right, so I thought I would do it again tonight. But in terms of financial status, where people are, financially speaking, in Christendom, there's three levels. And we can see these three levels of financial status through the children of Israel. And the first level was, number one, the children of Israel found themselves as slaves in Israel. This is the lowest state of financial status. This is what we call the land of not enough. They were slaves to Pharaoh. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And so they didn't own anything. In fact, that which was given to them, they had no say over what they got. In fact, the Egyptians, knowing the mindset, mindset of someone who's lording over another, you would give them just enough so they would sustain life because you want them to keep working for you keep serving you. Now understand, please get a glimpse of this. In this lowest financial status of Israel, the entire time they were slaves, he was still their God. Hello? They were still in covenant with him. They still had access to his blessings, but they didn't know how to receive them. And that's where a lot of Christians are. In fact, a lot of Christians have written that off because of a lot of false, you know, teaching. Like, for example, misquoting the Bible by saying that, the, that money is the root of all evil. I heard that supposed scripture before I even got saved. Money's bad. Just look at the prodigal son. That money destroyed him. No, money a lot of times just reveals a person's heart. It just reveals a person's heart. It doesn't make their heart that way. They've made their choices. Amen? So here is the land of not enough. They didn't own anything. The majority of their labor was for someone else. 
And there are a lot of Christians in this state. They don't, they don't own their home because the bank owns it. They're making payments on it. They don't own their car. They're making payments on it. They don't own their clothes because they're paying a credit card off that bought the clothes. You see, they, they look like they have their needs met, but they have really their slaves to debt. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 22.7. You're in the New Testament. Let's go to the Old. Proverbs 22.7 from the King James. The rich, everybody say the rich, ruleth over the poor. Well, isn't that what was going on with the Israelites being slaves to Egypt? They were indebted to them. And so they were being ruled over. How do you know that, that my credit card company is ruling over me? How, my mortgage company is ruling over me. The, 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 the car loan is ruling over me. Well, how can you say that? Because the scripture goes on to say that the borrower is what? Is the servant, or could we say slave, to the lender. That's pretty strong. I said that's pretty strong. And so I think a lot more people are in the land of not enough. But then there's a, the next status going up higher is being in the land of just enough. You see, God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, but yet they wandered in the wilderness. They're no longer slaves, but they're just wandering around with just enough. They were solely dependent on God for manna that would fall from heaven and the quail that would fall to the ground. I want you to look over in Exodus 16.10. Exodus 16.10. I'm in the NIV version, Sharon, so it'll be a little different, but it'll be within a hand grenade. It says that while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. Everybody say meat. And in the morning you will be filled with bread. Say bread. bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now remember... That in the wilderness, guess what? God is still their father. They are still in covenant with God. But what God had promised them, they were unwilling to pursue it. God never promised them the wilderness. What did he promise them? The promised land. But even 
in the land of just enough, God was her provider. That evening, quail came, covered the camp. I bet you that was good. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like a frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, Huh? <laughs> For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. That's the manna from heaven. And this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather, notice this, as much as they need. Remember, this is the land of just enough. Take a, an omer, and that's a device that measured, measures out like flour. And a, an omer would measure out three pounds. Take an omer, three pounds of manna for each person that you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. See, remember, they're in their land just enough. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. But everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. You see, the manna would spoil the next day, and so they had to start over with a fresh supply from heaven. So they never had more than enough. Amen. But guess what? Now we get to the highest level of financial status. It's called the land of more than enough. God brought them into the promised land. There they lived in abundance. There they took houses that weren't even theirs and now owned them. Livestock they acquired without buying them. Abundance of grapes, remember? Those spies that came and, and brought great vines of grapes back. It was surely a land of more than enough. Exodus 3.17 says, And I have commanded, as I have promised, to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of these people, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Remites, the Pizzaites, <laughs> the Haviites, the Jebusites. It's a land flowing, flowing with milk and honey. You see, Having more enough is the same promise God to me has made to you and I. Now, you understand that this promise of more than enough, the Israelites had for centuries. It came down by Abraham and his blessing and his covenant. But it wasn't until they pursued the promised land were they able to eat of the promised land. You and I have been born into the promised land. Remember 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to do what? Make all grace abound towards you. All grace. Not a little dabble, do you? All grace. 
Understand that this word grace also refers to being empowered to prosper. It's going to abound, overflow towards you that you will always have. How often? Always have. What am I always going to have? All sufficiency. In what things? All things. And all abound or overflow with every and towards every good work. You see, this blessing needs to be real to us. It's something you and I have to pursue. It's something that you and I have to get inside of us. Now remember, a lot of us grew up in a financial environment of lack. I grew up in a single mom household. I've been working since I was 12 years old. Mowing, mowing yards, pumping gas, working as a dishwasher, busboy, driving a truck when I was 18 years old. I've been working multiple jobs all my life. Amen. Well, that's the environment I came up in. And so our mind will lock us in to the financial status that we grew up in. If we, if we grew up in Egypt, then that's how we see ourselves, as slaves. If we grew up in, in the wilderness, then we, we're satisfied with just enough. Whoosh, paid the mortgage again this month. Whoosh, praise the Lord. Just enough. Not enough money to go to Arby's that same night I paid the mortgage, but hey, I paid the mortgage. We need to come up to the promised land. And it begins by renewing our mind with the truth of the word of God. Getting scriptures inside of us, just like we do with healing scriptures, just like we do with faith scriptures, just like we do with prayer scriptures. Getting them inside. In Christ scriptures. How many times have we meditated on us being the righteousness of God in Christ? Because we were taught growing up that we were our behavior. And now we know that we are who we are in Christ because of what he did for us. And so prosperity is an area that you're going to have to change. I'm going to have to change the way I think about finances. Because if my mind is not renewed, every time I give, it's going to be an effort. Ooh, hope I didn't give too much. I, I, you know, because we have that mindset of not having enough. Right? And so when we withhold, then we set in motion what he's able to do back to us. Does that make sense? So the blessing of having too much has to be a reality to us. How many prosperity scriptures can you quote? Now, we've said this multiple times. I think it's, it'd be good for us to say it again tonight. The way we think about money determines what we believe about money. And what we believe about money will produce the way we talk about money. 
And however we talk about any area of our life, good or bad, it will create what we say about that area of our life. I've said this multiple times. If I've got a problem in an area of my life, the very first place I need to look is what have I been saying about that area? You know, every time I do such and such, this happens. Well, I just set myself up to have that happen again. You know, the people at, at the job, they just pick it on me all the time. Nobody likes me there. Okay. You're going to keep bearing that fruit then. Hallelujah. You see, anybody can say, what they're experiencing. Anybody can say what they're feeling. But it takes a man or a woman of faith to contradict what they're seeing and what they're feeling and say what they believe according to the Word of God. And there again, we have the, the responsibility, you and I, to renew our mind. Amen. Now, we began talking last week about the three legs of prosperity. And we mentioned that prosperity is different than everything else that we're going to receive from God according to our redemption. When we receive the new birth, when we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, when we receive healing for our body, when we receive wisdom, when we receive protection, when we receive being led by the Spirit of God, it's all done directly between you and God, me and God. There's no in-between. You're the direct recipient of what you're believing for. Being blessed financially is completely different. There's a middleman. It's called the world financial system. God has no money to give you. God has no gold to give you. He has no silver to give you. Everything that he has is of that realm of heaven. And so if he would give me heavenly money right now, guess what? It would be a counterfeit. Because here on the earth, you know, they only recognize our currency, our notes, and our, and our coins. And those precious metals that are minted. Amen. And so God has to work through that financial system to get the money to us. Now, sometimes he'll work through an individual who's in that financial system that will bestow a blessing for us. But that's the exception and not the rule. Hallelujah. Now, if I want greenbacks, if I want green folding money, our currency used to stay, say it right on there that this note was good for products and services. So I could use it to purchase product and services, or I could make it by providing my services 
or a product to somebody. Does that make sense? And see, that's why our prosperity has more to do about what our side is than what God's side is. If I just sit home and believe God for him to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, how many you know I'm going to sit there for a while? And I can go out to the mailbox every day and look for the money for someone to give it to. Oh, I need to tell you this. This will blow you away. Now, we've we as believers and and my wife and I were guilty of this as well until one day the Lord helped us to see but we we try and get we try and get blessed through worldly means now my, my wife and I, we used to buy lottery tickets. Not a lot, a lot of tickets. We, we, we'd sense like, I need to buy a lottery ticket today. It's Wednesday, they're going to have the drawing tonight. We'll go buy a lottery ticket. It used to be a dollar. Occasionally we do it on Saturday. Not a lot. I think in a year's time we spend maybe 10 or 20 bucks on lottery tickets a year. Not a lot. But I heard someone say this about two months ago. You understand that about 50% of the working Americans, only 50% pay taxes. Did you guys know that? 50% of those working in the workforce in the United States of America, only half of them make enough money to pay taxes. And so the politicians got together. What what do politicians want? They want your money. And they talked amongst themselves and said, we got a problem. We can only legally take money from half the people. We need to figure out how we can get the money from the other 50%. And so guess what they created? The lottery system. So they could get people that didn't pay taxes to start buying lottery tickets so they would have income from the poor. I'm saying this to you tonight without a shadow of a doubt. God is not blessing any Christians by buying lottery tickets. It is a scam and a scheme by our political government, both federal and state, to get in your pocket because you have a poverty mentality. And you want to get money given to you for not doing anything. And that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Now, when I heard that, it really helped me. I remember a a young man we had in our church, and I love this brother. He was awesome. Every time I see him, I hug on him, and I just love him. He's just a great man, a great brother, a, a great Christian. 
But he thought that the Lord told him that he was going to make him rich through the lottery. And this guy told me this, this vision that, when I say vision, I'm talking about revelation. He didn't actually have an open vision. It was something that he saw in his heart. He saw him as a pilot driving minister, flying ministers all over the world to preach the gospel. And he thought, he couldn't figure out how he could get those kinds of money to buy, you know, even a turboprop plane much less a jet, to fly these ministers all over the world. And so he thought that God directed him to buy lottery tickets. Now, I've known this guy for over 20 years. And he methodically bought lottery tickets all the time and hasn't hit it yet. And the same is true of Vegas. Why is Vegas, Vegas, to get money from the poor? Because they have this poverty mentality. And so they think they can spend one buck and get 100,000 back. That's not reality, people. Boy, tonight's a real downer, huh? I'm trying to help us. You see, we get so busy doing things the world's way, we miss out pursuing God's way. All right, what are the three legs of godly prosperity? We talked about this last week. Anybody remember what leg number one is? It's faith. Faith in doing something, which is sowing. Or giving. This is how we directly access God being able to bring finances to us through the world financial system. Look over here in Luke 6 38. Luke 6 38 says to give. Do what? Give. Now let me say this right from the top. This is, has to be something that is harmonizing with your heart. If you're just going to give to try and get, your motive is wrong. We give to worship. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Did, did you hear me tonight? Now, I've said this from the pulpit many times. We just, well, say it tonight. If you're giving to Birth and Family Church to get... Understand that getting is a, it's a benefit of giving, but the only benefit you get from giving is when you give cheerfully. You want to give. I remember when Mary and I began to tithe. The Lord dropped it in our heart that, that I asked him, just directly, Lord, what can I do for you? And he says, you can give. And I said, okay, I'm going to give. I couldn't wait to get to church the next time. So I could fulfill what God asked me to do. And we did it cheerfully, and we're still doing it cheerfully. 
because that's what Scripture instructs us to do. We're facilitating the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is freely given, but it's not freely preached. It takes resources. It has to be facilitated. It has to be underwritten. So understand that when your motivation is to give out of obedience and to give with a generous and a thankful heart, that's when you tap into giving by faith, and that will release the blessing upon us. Amen. So he says if you'll give, then the receiving begins to be released in your benefit, and it, that which you gave, is going to be given unto you, but not in the same measure back. It's going to be a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Notice it says, shall men, the world financial system, give back to you. Now, here's something that took me decades to learn. I'm going to give it to you tonight for free. A farmer never sows the seed that he can afford to sow. Meaning that I got this much seed, I'll just sow this, what I have. No, the farmer always sows the seed to the harvest he wants to have. See, we go and pull our wallet out and say, I can give this. This is what I have. Well, you establish your harvest when you give. Because what you're giving is your seed. And so the farmer always sows to the harvest they want to receive. Do you see how that's completely opposite of what the Bible teaches? Now, the Bible says that when you give, you're going to receive back some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So if I continually sow small amounts, and that's because the reason we sow small amounts is because we think that's all we can afford. And sometimes it is. We got to grow in these areas. I started out giving five bucks. But it didn't take long before I was given 10 and then 20. And then when I was making, you know, close to $1,500 a week, I was given 150 a week. And I'll tell you that story some other time. But the God, sh God showed us how to increase. What comes to us in the world system? And so understand that when you give, you establish your harvest. Now, I think it was halfway through last year here at Birthed Family Church. And let me get this out of the way. We as a church, we collectively as a church, we tithe. And so I knew this principle to sow to what size harvest we want. And so we calculated that it would take about $8,000 to fulfill our budget here at Birthed Family Church a month. 
So how much money should we sow? Well, at the time, we were only getting about 4500 to 5000 a month. And so we were just sowing, you know, $500 a month. We were tithing off of what was actually coming in. But that's not being a smart farmer. I want 8000 to come in. See, now I'm, I'm sowing what? $500 because we had 5000 coming in. But we needed 8,000. So then in my lightning fast mind, I thought, well, we should be sowing to 8,000. We should be tithing on 8,000. I could have had a V8. So we started giving $800. Why would you do that? Your, your tithe is only 500. Well, we're believing that our tithe is eight. Now, you understand that he led us to do that. You don't just do something that someone else did and have it work for yourself. I've, I've made that mistake. Kenneth Copeland gave away a car and got back a better car. So I gave away my car, and I went walking for a couple of weeks. Amen. You can't do what someone else did and get the same results unless you have it in your heart like they have it in their heart. When you hear some things in this time of talking about godly prosperity don't do what i say do what you got in your heart so i got it in my heart to tithe on eight thousand we started giving 800 well then going into uh i want to say february or march of this year all of a sudden my spirit the lord said yeah, you think you need 8000 a month, but really you need 10000 Amen. Huh, really? Okay. So what did that mean? We're going to start tithing on 10000 So we picked up two more missionaries. So right now we're giving $100 to seven missionaries, and we're giving $100 to three international ministries. So we tithe, as a church, $1,000 a month. But 10000 isn't coming in yet. But I'm sowing to the harvest I want, not sowing to the harvest I have. Don't you think I can be as smart as a farmer? One of the hardest working people in the United States. And so what's going to happen? Well, my faith will get to the place where that tithe that we're putting in there is going to completely and totally manifest and more than 10,000 is going to come in and so then the Lord will direct us to give more. Amen. Right now what I have in my heart that we're going to get to 2,500 a month in the way of giving. Man, you're going to believe for 25,000 a month? Yeah, and then from there we'll believe for 50,000, and then we'll, then we'll believe for 100,000. We'll just keep going up. Because I live in the promised land. I live in the land of too much. And if I can believe for it, I can have it. Just like if you can believe for it, you can have it. Amen? And this is all on the pretenses of giving 
and therefore it shall be given unto you. All right? Galatians 6, 7 says, oh my goodness, does the clock run fast at Berkeley Family Church or is it just me? I only got a couple minutes and I didn't even get to number two. Check this out. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. So this is something I need to pay attention to. This is an area that I could easily be deceived in. That's why he put it in his book. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If I sow discord, I get discord. If I sow unforgiveness, I get unforgiveness. If I sow love, I'm going to get love. If I sow mercy, I'm going to get mercy. And if I sow money, I'm going to get what? Potentially, I'm going to get back money. So understand that our harvest is always proportionate to our giving. Amen? Amen. Was there something else, Lord? Our harvest is proportionate to our sowing. So figure out what you gave last year. And multiply it by 30. And more than likely, that's what you're currently making. So if I want to see more come in, then I have to get it in my heart to sow more. Amen? Now, you're only going to get there through making what the Lord says about having too much in your heart. You've got to shake off. I've got to shake off this poverty mentality. And when I give, I could, I, I've got to be able to say in my heart, I can more than afford to do this. I can more than afford to do this. I can, I, yeah, the, 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 the farmer never goes home crying and bawling and squalling after he puts this abundant seed in the ground because he knows the laws of seed time and harvest and he knows it's going to come back to him. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's where we need to get that we believe that when we give from our heart in faith, out of love, in a generous manner to the Lord, we can believe for that which we sow to come back to us as a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's where this poverty mentality just gets a hold of us because we become afraid to give. And if you're afraid to give, then just start working on renewing your mind. Please don't give if you're afraid to give. Amen? Some of us aren't ready to really, you know, ratchet up. But we can get there. 
I don't want to get anybody in a spot. I don't want you taking money away from, you know, what you have to pay for the mortgage. I don't want you to give money that you have to, you know, buy food for your kids or your family. I, I, I'm not saying to do that. But let the Lord show you how you can increase Amen. when you're ready in your heart. Amen. Father, I want to thank you. I, I know that many, 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 many ministers have abused this message. And they've used this message to get into people's pockets. And Father, I hope that the people listening, those here tonight, that they understand that that's not our motive here at all. Because we want our people blessed to the degree that you've blessed them. So I ask, Lord, in these things that have challenged them tonight, help them to grow in this area to be able to give in a liberal manner and to give cheerfully and out of a heart of love. Help us to grow on this giving end so that we can increase in the receiving end. I know that that's your plan for us. So help us, Lord, lead us. We thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, guys. You are awesome. I will do my best to get finished next week so we can go on to another subject matter. You're awesome.